Support for this podcast and the following message come from Wise, the app that makes managing your money in different currencies easy. With Wise, you can send and spend money internationally at the mid-market exchange rate. No guesswork and no hidden fees. Learn more about how Wise could work for you at wise.com. Today on the State of Ukraine, an early assessment of the Ukrainian counteroffensive. I'm Greg Dixon. Ukraine's President Volodymyr Zelensky has finally broken his silence about the long-awaited military offensive to retake Russian-controlled areas. He announced that it is now underway. And though we don't know much, some information from the battlefield is coming out from both the Ukrainian and Russian sides. To pull it all together, Steve Inskeep talked to NPR's Greg Myrie in Kyiv. Starting with what the Ukrainians are saying or not saying, what do you hear? Yeah, Steve, for a war that's been so public and so well documented, it's it's pretty strange to see this pivotal event take place with limited visibility. Now, President Zelensky did come out and acknowledge the offensive had been launched. He did this at a press conference Saturday with Canada's visiting Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. But Zelensky really didn't offer details. He only said, uh, quote, I'm, I'm in daily contact with our commanders. Everyone is positive, so pass it on to Putin. And, of course, a reference to Russian leader Vladimir Putin. Sure. What we can decipher is that Ukraine is attacking in three specific areas or lanes in the east and southeast. And in the the middle lane, if you will, Ukraine says it's liberated four small villages. And the best evidence we have is Ukrainian soldiers posting videos raising the blue and yellow flag there. What do those data points and claims tell you about the broader offensive? Well, uh, To be sure, this is the very first salvo of what's expected to be the biggest battle of the war, one likely to play out for much of this summer, if if not beyond. And it's shaping up uh, the way many predicted. Uh, Looks like Ukraine wants to drive to the southeast coast. This would cut the Russian forces in half, one group to the east, one to the south, and, and leave the Russians much more vulnerable. Ukraine thinks they can do this because they have brigades that have been freshly trained in Europe, and they're going into battle with these newly acquired NATO weapons, Bradley fighting vehicles from the U.S., Leopard tanks from Germany, missiles from Britain, and an assortment of other upgraded weapons. Well, how do Russians talk about this Ukrainian offensive? Well, Putin says the offensive is already failing, though the consensus among military analysts is it's, it's just way too early to be making any judgments. However, the Russians did expect the Ukrainians to attack in the, in the southeast, and they've been uh, digging in with minefields, extensive trench networks for their troops, concrete barriers in the places Ukraine is likely to advance. Mm. Russia's defense ministry put out a photo showing about a, a dozen of these new Ukrainian vehicles, these Western tanks and armored troop carriers that were clustered together after they'd been damaged and then abandoned by the Ukrainians. So this is just one snapshot. But it shows Ukraine will have a a tough time surprising the Russians. Um, And a lot of these battles will be fought on flat farmland where the attacking forces will be very much exposed. Analysts, at least some of them, speculated that Russia may have destroyed a dam uh, the other day, partly to make it more difficult for Ukraine to advance in some areas. What is the situation now in the areas that were flooded? Yeah, the water is receding around the southern city of Kherson, uh, but the damage is extensive and the recovery will be long. Now, the two countries are blaming each other without proof, but the, the circumstantial evidence does point towards Russia. And Ukraine says Russia is using this flooded areas to, to move troops out of the south 
eastward where they can reinforce the Russian troops that are defending against the main part of Ukraine's offensive. Ah, they feel that the flood, supposedly feel that the flood is itself a defensive wall, which makes it easier to move troops elsewhere. Greg, thanks so much. Sure thing, Steve. That's NPR's Greg Myrie. Thanks for listening to The State of Ukraine from NPR News. Please come back for more on the war and its impacts around the world. Every weekday, NPR's best political reporters come to you on the NPR Politics Podcast to explain the big news coming out of Washington, the campaign trail, and beyond. We don't just want to tell you what happened. We tell you why it matters. Join the NPR Politics Podcast every single afternoon to understand the world through political eyes. Here at Planet Money, we bring complex economic ideas down to earth. We find weird, fun, interesting stories that explain the way money shapes our lives. Inflation, recessions, the price of gas, we've got you. Listen now to the Planet Money podcast from NPR. For the seventh year on the Code Switch podcast, conversations about race and identity go way beyond the day's headlines. Because we know what's part of every person is part of every story. We're bringing that perspective with new episodes every week. Listen on the Code Switch podcast from NPR.